and open up to the book of Luke in chapter 3. Thank you. I want to talk about temptation this morning. And by, by way of introduction, I'll just tell you of, a, of an experience that I had when I was um, filled with the Holy Spirit well, in, the first, uh, in the first year or two of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I was um, still a single man, and um, uh, anyway, where I was living over near Sydney, um, a, a pamphlet was left in the letterbox. It was it was had been delivered by members of the, of the Anglican Church, and the 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 pamphlet was uh, uh, was introducing the Anglican Church and and the fact that Jesus lived and died and and rose again and so on. And uh, if anybody had any doubts or would like to talk about these things, then contact the the minister and uh, <clears throat> and so on. And so here was I in all of my spiritual wisdom and and everything at at eighteen months old in the Lord. And I rang the number and I invited myself over to come and have a have a chat. Now most of us here are familiar. We're very familiar with what the, we read in the book of Mark in chapter sixteen. And Jesus said that these signs or these miracles will follow in the lives of believers. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. Um, if they drink any deadly thing, if they're bitten by any deadly thing, they shall not be harmed. And, and plus the other signs, they shall speak with new tongues and so on. But uh, I read this verse, um, you know, once, once we sat down to the, to the Anglican minister and he, uh, once I read that to him, he said, stay there. And he dashed out of the room, and within a minute he came back again with a bottle of methylated spirits. And he said, here, drink that. And I said, oh, not without orange juice. <laughs> I didn't actually say that. But, but, <clears throat> but he was uh, uh, tempting me. He was tempting me to, to, you know, well, here you are then. Let's, do you believe that rubbish, do you? I mean, he could have said, do you believe that rubbish? If you do, drink the bottle of methylated spirits, or, or worse to that effect. <clears throat> now, so, that's what happened. <clears throat> In uh, the book of Luke, and chapter 3, and we do read here in verse 1, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod uh, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of Iturea, and the region of uh, Trachonitis and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene. So you know exactly where we are. <coughs> um, and verse 2, An uh, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, the word of God came from John to the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And so we are reading about the, uh, um, we're reading about the, all the politicians and we're reading about the priests and so on. And we're at the time of John the Baptist, at the time of John the Baptist speaking of the coming of Jesus Christ. Annas and Caiaphas being a high priest, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. So we can see the politicians mentioned and their credentials, the high priests are mentioned, but the word of God didn't come to them. The word of God came to John the Baptist. And we read here in verse 3, and he came to, 
into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And um, God is not really interested, it seems, in people that are high and mighty. He's not really interested in people that know everything, that think they know everything. He's uh, interested in people that are, are prepared to listen to him. And we still read in uh, chapter 3 and verse 16, John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And in verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Well, this is what happened to Jesus Christ when the Holy Ghost came upon him. What happened to us, of course, is uh, completely different. When the Holy Ghost came upon us, we spoke in other tongues. Did Jesus Christ speak in other tongues? We certainly don't read of it, but we do read that Jesus Christ said we would speak in other tongues, and we're happy to do that. And so we are reading here of the ministry of Jesus Christ, and there are many instances in the Bible that we can read of where Jesus Christ is an example to us, the Spirit-filled. And in uh, still in the book of Luke, but chapter 4 and verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness. He was uh, tempted by the devil. Now it happens to us too. We can relate to that. I'm talking about temptation. In verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were end ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, Command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. <clears throat> now, um, the temptations that you and I might experience aren't necessarily evil. But there's a temptation temptation is sometimes offered to us that um, it, it's to use God's power in our lives just to satisfy our natural circumstances. And this is not primarily what God had in mind. God filled us with the Holy Ghost to change us, to make us the new creatures, to make us sons and daughters of the living God. He filled us with the Holy Ghost to eat, to make us righteous, certainly, but that, that we might know that he's alive, that we might be lights in this dark world. That's why he filled us with the Holy Ghost. But the devil's temptation was, well, turn this bread into stone. Oh, sorry, turn the stone into bread. <clears throat> when we first come to the Lord, it takes time, doesn't it, to get used to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It certainly took me time to get used to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It seemed to be uh, uh, quite um, unusual for me to being 
filled with the Holy Spirit and associating with people that kept on saying hallelujah and they kept on wanting this, wanting to talk about the Lord and so on and so on. It just seemed odd to me. But I don't suppose I'm any different to many others. <clears throat> there is a temptation in this life when we receive the Holy Spirit to revert to our old life because that's what we know that's what we're familiar with i and also in in our fellowship in the fellowship of spirit filled people we have our children and they grow up in the lord and there's a temptation for the younger people in the fellowship to look outside to to the uh the lights of this world if you like to the to the uh the attractions of this world and there's a temptation to think, well, I'm missing out. I need to go into the world and experience it all. But the Lord has called his people to resist temptation, to resist the calling or the distraction, and to be an overcomer. Remember, and we do know, don't we, that there's a spiritual war going on. There's a war going on for our souls. The war is between God and the devil. The devil wants you, he wants me. He doesn't want us rejoicing in the Lord. He certainly doesn't want us here enjoying fellowship. He certainly doesn't want us singing choruses to the Lord. He doesn't want us on our knees at home seeking the Lord in the Spirit. He doesn't want us out talking to others about being filled with the Holy Ghost. He certainly doesn't want us uh, professing that Jesus Christ is, is a he or that God of the Bible is a healing God and that he works miracles. The devil doesn't want that. But God wants that. And we want that. And all the people said. But there's a temptation to be led, led to the side. Um, <clears throat> and so we're still in, um, in uh, chapter 4 and verse uh, verse 5, And the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this power will I give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered to me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If you therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get you behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. <clears throat> well, sometimes spirit-filled people actually do listen to the devil. And, uh, well, we don't want to do that, actually. And it reminds, well, it doesn't remind me, I'm going to take you to a scripture. Keep your finger in the book of Luke. But in the book of John, in chapter 17, in John chapter 17, we can read briefly of a conversation here. So the devil had given, had tempted the Lord and said, here we are, uh, everything in this world is yours if you want it, but you've got to worship me. Now then, we read in John 17, and you've got your finger in Luke chapter 4, John 17 and verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth, this is the Lord saying, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify you me, or glorify uh, gl glorify me with your own self, 
with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And there was the devil tempting Jesus and saying, forget about that, forget about that heavenly realm, forget about all that glory, forget about the eternities, but worship me. Have the things here that are in front of your eyes. And Jesus Christ was given the choice, the opportunity to swap what he had with God in his kingdom for the things of this world. And we've got the choice as well. And we are constantly, because we live in this world, we are constantly bombarded with what's available, with all the different options, with all the different opinions, with the philosophies, with the ways of thinking, with what is acceptable and so on. We're given a choice. We're tempted. Um, <clears throat> have you still got your finger in Luke? Well, keep it there, but go with me to the book of Colossians in chapter 3. You probably are well aware that the children of Israel in the Old Testament time, they were criticized by God for their idolatry, for following the pagan gods of other nations. And they paid the price for it as well, I might add. Now, what we're reading in the book of Colossians in chapter 3 is what Paul was saying to the spirit-filled people. He's writing to us. And in verse 1 we read, If you then be risen with Christ, if you... if." You're risen with Christ. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Do we see that as individuals? Yes, I know I'm reading it to a hall full of people and we can say, oh yeah, that's right, yep. And we walk out of the door not thinking, but are we thinking... Yes, that applies to me as an individual. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication or immorality, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, covetousness which is idolatry. It's scary, isn't it, to think that in this day and age, does God still talk like that? That, that, that there's, a, there's a choice to be made? Surely in this day of Christianity, surely in this day of love, you know, everything's okay as long as you believe in God. Well, God says a load of rubbish, that is. God says, don't be tempted, don't be dissuaded, don't be tricked. He said, do it my way. Do it his way and be blessed. And so we can love this world and the things that are in this world. We can be greedy for the things of this world. We can all, we've all got that capacity to do that. But we're the ones that have got to have control up here in our minds and say, no, I've been called to something else. I've been 
my vision has been lifted up. And he says in verse 6, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Yes, it is a little bit scary. So back there in the book of Luke in chapter 4, and we're still talking, I'm still talking about temptation. <clears throat> and Luke in chapter 4, and uh, we've just finished reading there in verse 8. If you can, you can have, see all the, the kingdoms of this world. If you will worship me, um, <clears throat> then, then I'll, I'll give you everything. Well, in chapter 4, we read in verse uh, 9, And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you shall dash your foot against the stone. <clears throat> now, the devil is quoting here from actual scripture. and But he's actually misquoting. He's reading the words, and let's, so that you can see that, turn, keep your finger in Luke, <clears throat> if you want. Yeah, do keep your finger in Luke. And we'll go to Psalm 91, and we'll see the scripture that he's quoting. And so, we can be tricked or tempted by having scripture misquoted. Or we can misquote scripture to ourselves. So we need to get it right don't we? We want to get it right. Psalm 91, you're probably there waiting for me, good. And <clears throat> coincidentally, we read in verse 11, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in, in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, the words are the same, aren't they, as to what we read back there in Luke. But the context is different. The context is different. The devil was saying, well, come on then, do something exciting. Get up on top of that building, jump off the temple, and uh, God will take care of you. I mean, back there in Psalm 91, we're reading about he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, you know, people that are filled with the Holy Ghost. And he talks about the provision and the protection, the, the privilege that is upon God's people, the people that are abiding with him, the people that are walking with him, the people that are professing God as their saviour. He's saying, I'm going to protect you. He wasn't saying, just do something exciting and let's see what happens. Here, drink the bottle of methylated spirits, I was told. I mean, perhaps <clears throat> with the devil saying that to Jesus, we can see where the Anglican minister was coming from as well. Well, <laughs> they're God's words, they're not mine. <clears throat> what we're reading is God's word. <clears throat> and so you're in the book of Luke again. 
And in verse 12, Jesus answering said to him, It is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so we don't want to go misquoting God's word to make allowance for ourselves to pursue a life which is less than what God wants from his people that are spirit-filled. To pursue a life which is less or different from what God has called us to by filling us with the Holy Spirit. Because we do read, as you let go of Luke now, we do read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I certainly do appreciate the um, the lady, and I think that it's Kerry, that brings some glass of cordial. It's usually got some ice blocks clinking in there or just a glass of water. I'm not sure what flavour this cordial is. Normally it's lemon, lime and bitters. <coughs> but this is different. And... uh the ice blocks have melted now. But it's still lovely and cold. So you're in um, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. And Paul is writing to the Spirit-filled. And he says in verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. We do groan, don't we? I mean, some people have been groaning um, <clears throat> uh, because of the weather. Some people are groaning because they've got to wear a mask in the meeting, and I'm one of them. Um, uh, we, we groan about lots of things in this natural life, don't we? And we're just looking forward to the day of the return of Jesus Christ. But we do read, we continue to read in this chapter, in verse 21. For he has made him to be sin for us, that's Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's amazing, isn't it? And we're glad that that applies to us. In verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. And so, we're not tempted, well, we're not being tempted here, We are being attracted, we're being taught by God himself to cleave to Jesus Christ, to recognize who we are now, to recognize that we are indeed the new creatures, that God sees us as the new creatures, and therefore we are required to live like the new creatures. We're required to think like the new creatures. We are required to speak like we are the new creatures. That we've got a revelation up here, a God-given revelation. It's not of our own uh, intellect, but it's a God-given revelation that there's something far better available, that his power is inside of us now and his power is there to demonstrate the kingdom of God has come to mankind. 
His power is there to work miracles and there are countless testimonies of miracles in people's life and uh, his power is there for us to keep on remembering that God's power is available, that he wants to manifest and he will and does manifest himself in our lives. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you have no hope of being raised up to meet the Lord in the air when he returns. No hope. The Bible makes that very clear. You must be born again of the Spirit. For those of us that are born again of the Spirit, we realize that there's a war going on, that there's temptation all around us. And I'm giving some examples of the temptation. Sometimes it's blatant, sometimes it is subtle. But let's be aware of it. And all the people said, So back there in the book of Luke, you don't have to turn there, Jesus Christ refused to be drawn by the temptation. The devil said, jump off, jump off the pinnacle of the, of the temple. And we say to the devil, jump in the lake. We're not going to. We don't, I mean, being filled with the Holy Spirit and having miracles in your life and seeing others come to the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is excitement enough. It's a satisfaction enough, isn't it? Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that we're right with the Lord, that he's made us right with him and that we're going to be raised up. We've got eternal life. How's that? Isn't that inspiring? Isn't that exciting? But the devil wants to tempt us and does tempt us. Well, come on then, you spirit-filled people. You're a bit bored where you are. I mean, you're sitting on the same blue plastic chairs. Let's liven this joint up a little bit, shall we? Let's, um, Let's bring in something else. Let's start dancing, you know, down the aisles. Let's all pray in tongues together. Let's start falling over. Let's, let's bring in a rock band. Let's get rid of these, the fantastic musicians that we've got. <clears throat> and let's liven the place up, shall we? <clears throat> now we won't be able to, uh, preach the word. We won't have time for that because we've got a concert on our hands and we've got people dancing and waving and doing all this sort of thing. There, there is, this, <clears throat> you, ever since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was first given, I dare say people have been tempted to walk away from the Lord. Certainly in our day and age, in these modern times, when we can identify that we are close to the return of the Lord, we may no longer be in drugs, uh, be doing drugs and, and all the rest of it, the raging and, and so on that some of us used to do. But sadly, some spirit-filled people are just happy to fit in to this religion, into the religious realm that's prevalent in the world. Some people are happy just to conform to this natural life and not stand out not to speak differently, not to uphold the word of God in their lives for fear of ridicule. The Lord never called us to be timid. He called us to be strong. We don't have to be loud. But he called us to know what we've got inside of us, all the people said. And he called us to tell other people about it 
you don't have to speak to a, a 150 people at one time, but the person that we're next to on the bus, the, the person over the fence, the husband or the wife or the mother or father that are not yet filled with the Holy Spirit, offer to pray for them, expect to see miracles. This is standing up for the Lord. Some people are tempted away and they become complacent. But, uh, and, and they lose confidence in the Lord and the Lord's ability to heal and to provide and to protect. We've seen it happen over the years, haven't we? And when people get complacent, God's word gets neglected. God's work gets neglected. Remember what we read in the book of John in chapter 17 where Jesus was speaking with the Father. He said, I've completed the work that you've sent me to do. Now, the work of God is ever-present right up until the day of the Lord's return. The work of God is not completed yet for us. We are still here we're on duty, we're soldiers in the Lord's army until he comes back for us. And all the people say, don't be tempted to think, oh, I've done my bit, I'm off now. Um, we've all seen or experienced or spoken with other people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. No matter where they are, no matter which group that of fellowship they might want to associate themselves with, but people that are filled with the Holy Spirit are brothers and sisters in Christ. However, some people, some that are in some in the spirit-filled realm, they do get tempted away, and in the fellowship, music can become preeminent, it becomes dominant. And not that I've been, well, I haven't, not recently, um, <clears throat> uh, but, but sometimes people's testimony when they come and visit our fellowship, oh, I was over there, I was over there, and it's very much like a nightclub, that the way things are conducted. Wealth is another. You know, the devil said to Jesus, come on, do something exciting, jump off the pinnacle of the temple for us. And when God's word gets neglected, sometimes people get bored and they try and excite, they try and rev things up a little bit in their lives. The, whole, the Holy Ghost indwelling is not enough for them. All right, well, let's do something else. Let's uh, brighten things up a little bit with something that God has not actually asked us to do. And so people are tempted with wealth. They're tempted with music, perhaps, or, or ecumenism. Is that, have I pronounced that correctly? Ecumenism. Promoting the unity amongst churches. What are we talking about? In the Bible, there's only one church. It's the body of people that are filled with the Holy Spirit and we certainly should be unified. And all the people say, we enjoy the unity. We enjoy God's words preached. We enjoy the principles and we want to adhere to the principles so that we're safe 
and that we are ultimately raised up to meet the Lord in the air. But people can be tempted away to do other things that are sort of done in the name of God, but they're not actually what the Lord is looking for. This non-stick mat up here, I mean, this non-slip mat has become a non-stick mat. <clears throat> anyway, uh, in our fellowship, we're not wanting to import anything that God's word doesn't apply. Hopefully, we're all motivated by the fact that we're spirit-filled. We've got a knowledge of his coming, of our coming resurrection. Hopefully, that motivates us and inspires us. Or, have we stopped feeling inspired? I'm not suggesting that anybody has, but we want to compare ourselves to the Word of God, don't we? We want to see that we're doing the right thing. Uh, have we become bored with being spirit-filled? I'm not suggesting you have, as I said. I'm not suggesting you have. But let's ask the question of ourselves. In in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, we don't want to be uh, we don't we don't want to fall or conform to this world of oh I go to church on Sunday, and so from ten thirty till twelve o'clock or twelve thirty I'm at church and that's it that's that's got over for the week that's how the world thinks. Because there's nothing happening in their lives with the Holy Ghost. We don't want to become like that. The meetings are essential. We need the meetings to be fed, to be instructed, corrected, and edified, and all that sort of thing. The fellowship is essential. We want to hear the testimonies. We're encouraged by the miracles. But it's outside in our lives. Every day of the week, we're walking with the Lord. He's called us to be out there to represent Him, not to be tempted away in first corinthians chapter 14 are you there i am uh <clears throat> and uh paul is writing to the spirit filled he's talking to them about the gifts of the holy spirit and so on how they should operate he does say in verse 39 wherefore brethren covet to prophesy forbid not to speak with tongues let all things be done decently and in order we keep our meetings we conduct them in an orderly fashion so as not to bring shame on the gospel <clears throat> we uh, leave out the excesses that some people like to include in chapter 13 and in um in verse 4 Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity comes from the Greek word agape, the love of God. That's what he's talking about. Um, envies not. Charity vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. So we behave ourselves in a way that is not unseemly. But from time to time, some spirit-filled people will behave themselves in a way that is completely unseemly. And that's why we run our meetings in a, in a, in a scriptural pattern, in a scriptural way. We want to stay on track. We don't want to offend others. 
and we certainly don't want we don't want to offend each other. We don't want to put people off from being saved. Okay, um, <clears throat> I better finish up. It is very warm in here. Who's uncomfortably warm in here? Oh, who's just right? Oh, are you? Gee, it's hot up here. <clears throat> um, well, we'll go on for another three quarters of an hour, shall we? <clears throat> no, who likes? <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> um, here, have a look. Have a look in um, Matthew chapter twenty-three. All right, I'm, I'm just going to read two more verses to you. Matthew chapter twenty-three, and the Lord here um, says in verse fourteen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you do devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. The, um, there are times when people are tempted by something in this life, but they all pray long and hard. They might come to the prayer meetings or they'll... Uh, Tell, tell people or they'll, they'll be a very prayerful person. But sometimes, unfortunately, it's a pretense. It actually covers up for a little while something that is quite unscriptural that they are indulging in. Sometimes in the book of Luke in chapter 18, and this is my last scripture, though I've been speaking about temptation this morning, Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, And he spoke this parable to certain which trusted in themselves, and they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you, I am not as others, other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, even or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Sometimes people can be super spiritual. Sometimes they get, you know, just, well, you know what I'm saying. They, 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 uh, put themselves up. They get lifted up with pride. It's not good to see it, but sometimes we do. What we want to do is not be tempted by these things that I've mentioned. Let's not be tempted to think that we're any better than any of our brothers and sisters. We're the same. We are blessed by God. We're privileged to be God's sons and daughters, and all the people said. And, and none of us are any better than each other. Just because I'm up here giving a talk doesn't mean I'm any better. Just because you're up there in the controlling the microphones, Laura and Becky, doesn't mean you're any better. You know, it doesn't mean you're any better. <laughs> We're all the same. We're spirit-filled. We're rejoicing in the Lord. 
So let's not be a people that are tempted to be lifted up with pride or distracted in any other way. Let's not misquote scripture. Let's know what the Bible says about us. Let's know what the Bible says about our calling. Let's know what the Bible says about our future. Let's resist the temptation that this world offers, that the devil offers, and let's be overcomers until that day that we're raised to meet the Lord. And all the people said, all right, well, we'll leave the scriptures there. (laughs) 